Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Passage West Baptist service this morning. We're glad to have you with us. This is not a live service as we usually have uh, due to some technical stuff we weren't able to get live this morning, but we are glad that you are here and don't let that stop you from welcoming one another and giving comments again and letting us know that you're here, whether you're watching from Facebook or YouTube. And you know, the brilliant thing about uh, this live thing is we're not going to have to worry about it too much by next week because next week we are going to have a live in-person service to Together. Yes, we will keep all the social distancing requirements. Uh, we will be meeting in the Father Collins Parish Centre at 11 o'clock on the 5th of July. And so if you'd like to come, do please uh, book your seats uh, with me. My number is 86 3617 and we'd love to have a seat for you. Uh, once you book in, we'll let you know all the guidelines and how we're going to keep the service safe and compact for everybody who comes. And we're also planning to live stream on that morning. So for those who are vulnerable or unable to come, we want to provide a way for you to enjoy the service together. And so we're calling it the Together Service because it is important that whatever we do, we do it together. Even if things are going to look different, we do it together. As I was thinking about the service this morning, I was thinking there are times when we feel like we cannot approach God and we do not feel many times even good enough to approach God. The amazing thing is that God provides a way for you and I to approach him, to sing to him, to pray to him, to come to him this morning. And one of those ways to him is made clear to us in 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. It says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you feel like you can, can't approach God this morning, all you need do, all you need do is come and confess your sins and he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so I'd invite you to come to him in that manner this morning, confessing your sins and trusting in him. We are going to begin this morning by having a, a reading from Anne. Anne is going to read from Colossians for us and then we will sing only a holy God. And following that, we will go into Ruth chapter 4. So stay with us and let's worship our great God together. We'll turn to our reading now. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. command 
Praise God that we can approach this holy, holy God through Jesus Christ. That is a wonderful thing. If you've got your Bibles uh, this morning, I'd like you to turn in them to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4 as we continue this amazing account of what God is doing in the life of both Ruth and Naomi. As we were finishing uh, last week, we saw uh, this reality of, of Ruth and Boaz there on the threshing floor. And Ruth said those scary words, didn't she? Take your wings and spread them over me, for you are my redeemer. And those words, in those words, what Ruth was really saying is, will you marry me? And the amazing thing is that Boaz came back and he saw the kindness that she offered and he saw saw how kind she was to say these words to him and he in essence said yes. But it was as if they were there at the front of the church with the minister standing before them and then the minister would say these words, if anyone knows any reasons why these two should not be married, speak now or forever hold your peace. And guess who spoke up? It was Boaz, because Boaz knew there was something not quite right. You see, there was another redeemer who was nearer, a nearer relative than him. You see, as a redeemer, you needed to be a relative, which Boaz was. He ticked that box. You needed to be rich, which Boaz was. He ticked that box and you needed to be willing. And Boaz ticked that box as well. However, there was another Redeemer. And, and, and you would think it would have just been easy for Boaz to keep his mouth shut, for Boaz to just keep quiet and do what is the right thing, even if it is in the wrong way. Who cares about this other Redeemer? You like her, uh, she likes you, it's all good. But Boaz didn't want to have it that way. And it is frustrating, isn't it, in life when our plans don't work out the way we want them to. I would imagine for many right now, there are many plans that you've had over the last few months. Maybe wedding plans, or job plans, or church plans. And those plans haven't quite gone according to your plan. But the great thing about all of this 
is that even when things don't go according to our plan, they always go according to God's plan. Nothing can frustrate God's plan. Nothing can ruin God's plan. And as we look at Naomi's life first, or Ruth's life first, we are going to see that nothing ruins God's plan of redemption for Ruth. Nothing. Now, Naomi knew what kind of character this Boaz was. We see that at the end of chapter 3. Naomi says these words. Chapter 3, verse 18. Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he will settle the matter today. He won't rest, in other words, until he finds you rest. This is a man of initiative. Boaz will not settle until he finds you rest. And so we see the beginning of Boaz's plan. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. Here we have the beginning of Boaz's plan. I would imagine that Ruth no sooner left to go to Naomi than he went straight up to the gate and he sat down. And the significant thing about the gate is this. The gate was the courtroom or so of the place of the day. So back in the day, there was this courtroom, essentially, and and the court area or where you would settle all your disputes and all your matters was at the gate of the city. And so what Boaz does is he takes the initiative and he goes towards the gate and he sits down. And guess what? And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. It just so happens that at that time, behold the Redeemer. And of course, this was probably part of Boaz's plan too. I mean, he sat down there. He knew it would have to be resolved. Maybe he knew that the Redeemer might be coming by. But at least we know this. It is more part of God's plan, isn't it? This is God's plan at work. Behold the Redeemer. We've heard language like this before. You'll remember in, in chapter 2, verse 2, when, Na- or when Ruth decided to go out and glean in the field, where she said, let me go. And she went in, to glean in the field, and she just so happens to come upon the field of Boaz, and just so happens at that time that Boaz comes. And it says, behold, Boaz of Bethlehem. And then you will remember in chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 8, um, at midnight on the threshing floor when Boaz was lying down on the floor and it says these words, Behold, a woman at his feet. What a coincidence that is. Oh no, it is the work of God in their lives. Behold Boaz, behold the woman, and now behold the Redeemer. This is God at work. And God has been weaving his work and his plan throughout this story. 
It just so happened that bread came back to the house of bread. It just so happened that Ruth decided to stay instead of Orpah. And it just so happened that of all the fields and all the land that she could have gleaned, that she ended up in the field of Boaz. Behold, God is at work. This moment when the Redeemer comes, it is a God moment. And what we believe as Christians is that God is always at work. Every moment in life, every moment in life is a God moment. No, God does not ordain evil or God does not um, partake in evil. But God does use evil for his good purposes. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And those people who are nailing Christ to the cross, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Every single moment in our lives is a God moment and God is always doing something, even when our plans are frustrated. You know, if someone was to ask me about Passage West Baptist, what were your your plans for this church plant? What would you decide for things to happen? I would not have planned it this way. I mean, six years ago, we decided to think about and pray about um, starting a church in this place. And we prayed and we did various things in the town trying to outreach. And if someone were to tell me, yes, you will, you will take six years. And then, and then at the end of that, you will do a year of once a month services at 6 p.m. in the Father Collins Center and, and people will still come. And then, and then at the end of that year, you will have your first service. And then at the end of that first service, I will stop everything. And you will talk to a camera for a few months. And then, and then you will come back together. You will, you will join again together, but actually you won't be able to sit together. You'll have to be two meters apart. Would that have been part of my plan? No. But I have to believe that this moment is a God moment. This is part of his plan, even though it's not part of mine. As I think about it, it can be frustrating and hard to think about. And yet it is part of God's wonderful and perfect plan. I wonder have you had your plans frustrated recently? Your summer plans, your wedding plans, your job plans, your life plans. It is good for us as believers to know that every moment is a God moment and that God always has his perfect plan. And God has his perfect plan that will not be thwarted for the redemption of Ruth. It continues on to say part of Boaz's plan. That the Redeemer came in in verse 1. And Boaz said to him, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And then he turned aside and he sat down. And then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city, because they would have to preside over the hearing. And said, sit down here. So they sat down. And you can see, this is all part of Boaz's plan. He is eager. He literally grabs the man and he says, Redeemer, you sit down. And he sits down. And he, and he grabs all the elders and he says, you sit down. And they sit down. 
Why? Because Boaz wants to ensure that Ruth will have rest. And so Boaz, he begins the proceedings as part of his plan. Verse 3, it says this. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling a parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, then redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Boaz, what are you doing? You see, part of the Redeemer's job was twofold in this case. First, the Redeemer could redeem the land. Which meant he could buy back the land and keep that land. In the family name. And so Boaz, he tells the man about the land. And the man says, well, I can get some land. And so he is a relative. He is rich. And he is now willing. Boaz, why did you say anything? And Boaz, why did you put it this way? Of course he's going to want to redeem. But you see, Boaz. Boaz, he's a clever man. And Boaz... He actually has a plan as well. Just like um, Naomi had a plan before. So now Boaz has a plan before. And Boaz, we find out about him that he is a bit of a schemer as well. Listen to what it says. After the Redeemer says he will redeem, verse 5 then says, Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field, however... From the hand of Naomi, you will acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Boaz, you clever man. Oh, oh yes, you will, you, you'll get the land. But you need to realize, you need to kind of read the small print of this deal. If you do choose to redeem the land, you will have to marry Ruth. And she will get part of your inheritance. And he just doesn't call her Ruth. He says, Ruth, the Moabite. Now, throughout this account, every time Boaz talked about Ruth, what did he call Ruth? He said to her, my daughter. My daughter, my daughter. But now he says, what does he say now? Ruth the Moabite. You clever man, Boaz. You might get the land, but you'll also get this Moabite. Do you really want to redeem? And of course, the Redeemer responds back in verse 6. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem if for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. 
You see, when he knew he was going to get the land, oh yeah, he was all for that. But then, when he thought he would have to get this woman and marry her, and then if he was to have any children with her, then they would have rights to the inheritance just like him. And he didn't want to ruin his own inheritance. He didn't want to endanger his own rights and his own inheritance. So he was like, get me away from that. I don't want any part of that. And that's exactly what you would expect this Redeemer to do. Did you wonder at all when you read about this Redeemer? What is his name? In a book where names are so important, surely we would find out his name, wouldn't we? No. This guy, he's not worthy of anyone's name. He's just the Redeemer. We don't want to know his name. He's just Mr. No Name. Getting into this situation and getting into this problem. We just want him off the scene and out of the picture. It is all about Mr. Strong and Miss Friend. Who cares about Mr. No Name? And Mr. No Name, well, he lives up to his name. Because he says, I don't want to redeem it anymore. I don't want to impair and endanger my inheritance. And that's exactly who you would expect him to be. It just doesn't suit me. And if it doesn't suit me, then, well, I'm not going to have any part of it, am I? We are in so much danger of living in that way, my friends, in this world. If it doesn't suit me, I'm just not going to do it. If it doesn't suit me, I am just not going to be a part of it. This is the way of Mr. Noni. But can you imagine if Boaz had that attitude? If it doesn't suit me, I'm just not going to do it. Can you imagine that? I'm just not going to let any foreigners glean in the edges of my field. Ruth, the Moabite, I'm not going to let her into my field and I'm not going to give her a drink and give her a meal and, and let her have anything extra. I'm not going to let her have any of that. No. That's not the way of Boaz. In fact, what Boaz does is he shows unexpected kindness to Ruth. In chapter 2, verse 10, Ruth responded to him by saying this, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have you found favor in, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? She can't believe this kindness. This is unexpected kindness. How have I found favor in your eyes? That is the Old Testament word for grace. How would you show me grace when I'm a foreigner? She can't believe it. She doesn't expect it. She doesn't deserve it. And yet she gets it from Boaz. Unexpected kindness. Can you imagine if Ruth was like Mr. No-Name. Just doing things for herself. If she was, she would have gone back to Moab. She would have gone and, and sought rest for herself and sought to find a man for herself. A nice, young, rich Moab man. But no. She doesn't. She shows unexpected kindness. And so in chapter 3, verse 10, we read Boaz saying, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater 
than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. She could have gone after young men, poor or rich, but she doesn't. She shows kindness to Naomi and kindness to Boaz. She's not looking out for herself. She's not looking out for her own interests. And so we have that choice in life, don't we? We can have the attitude of, if it doesn't suit me, I'm not going to do it. Or we could look out for others' interests. You know, in the next few weeks, we are going to have that temptation. To do things the way that suit us. As we look at this uh, upcoming service, this together service. It will be very possible for us to say, we have to sit two meters apart. That doesn't suit me. We, we can't sing out loud together. That doesn't suit me. I'm not going to be a part of that. Maybe you think we are being too strict or maybe you will think that we are, aren't being strict enough. That doesn't suit me. Maybe it will be easier to stay at home. Or maybe when you are at home, you just watch at a time that suits you. Rather than desire to be together. We are called to live a life. Not that suits us. But a life that looks out for the interests of others. Because Boaz and Ruth, they are just reflecting the character of their God. A God of loving kindness and steadfast love. And so this is the attitude of our Savior, is it not? He took on the form of a servant and was obedient to death, even death on a cross. If anyone was looking out for the interests of others, it was our Savior. And that is what we are called to do, my friends, in these next few weeks. Not what just suits me, but what suits others and what would honour the Lord. This Mr. No Name, well, he lives up to his name, doesn't he? But now Boaz seizes the opportunity that his plan has afforded to him. Verse 7. Now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning the redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Limelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in, in his inheritance. And the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. You are witnesses 
this day. What is it that happened that day? What is it that took place that day? Ruth has been redeemed. And nothing, nothing can stop God's redemption plan for Ruth. Of course, back in the day, you didn't sign contracts in these um, deals. These deals were sealed with a sandal. They would pass over the sandal and the sandal would seal the deal. And so the deal was sealed. And that day, two things happened. The land was redeemed. Boaz bought back this land and kept the land in the family name. So the family land in the family name was not lost. And so Naomi, who had no provision, no hope, no future, now has a future. And in the other custom of the day, the near of kin marrying the widow woman. She too is redeemed. She had no hope, no provision, no future. And now she has hope. She is redeemed. Praise the Lord for his work through Boaz. Now, the original audience, as, as they're looking at this and as they're thinking about this, the original audience, I wonder what would they would have been thinking in their mind. What would have been going on in their mind at this time as they're looking at this and as they're thinking about this? Do you know what I think would have been going on in their mind at that time? God, the Redeemer, is at it again. This is God's redemption. This is not so much Boaz's redemption. It is God's redemption through Boaz. This is part of God's redemption plan. God is doing it again. And I imagine it wouldn't have been too much a stretch for them to think back to their time in slavery in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord had brought them, the Lord had redeemed them, the Lord had bought them out of this land of slavery in Egypt and got them through on dry ground in the Red Sea. And after they had got through on dry ground, they sang a song, didn't they? After they were redeemed. And in Exodus chapter 15 verse 13, we hear the lyrics of this wonderful song. They say this. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom have been redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Your steadfast love, O Lord, has redeemed us. And so they sing this song. God the Redeemer is doing it again. And that, my friends, should be our response as we see the redemption of Ruth in this story. We need to know that nothing stops God's redemption plan for his people. And we should look at this too and say, God, you are at it again. And we too have a song, don't we? 
The song goes like this. There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. When we look at this redemption, my friends, it should remind us of ours. We should be saying that God, our Redeemer, has done it again. Colossians 1 verse 13. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have been redeemed. And so we too have been brought out of our slavery with sin. We too have been given our new inheritance. And we too, one day, will be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. Eternally redeemed. God does not forget the redemption of his people. And so after um, Ruth is redeemed and after this is agreed, the witnesses come up. And the witnesses, they say, in verses 11 to 12, if I can summarize it for you in this way, the witnesses come back and they have two prayers really. And the two prayers go like this. The first prayer for Ruth is that she would be like Rachel and Leah. They pray that she would be like Rachel and Leah from of old. And how do we know the reality of what is going on with Rachel and Leah? Well, Rachel and Leah were barren before. And yet the twelve tribes came from Rachel and Leah. How? The Lord opened their womb. And so what the witnesses are praying is that the the Lord would too open Ruth's womb. Because for ten years she was with Malah and never had a child. The second prayer they pray is that may her house be like the house of Perez. You'll remember Tamar. Tamar, she was married to a husband of hers. And the husband died, much like Ruth's husband died. And so according to the law and the custom, the nearest of kin would marry and continue and perpetuate the name. And so he did marry Tamar and he died. And then she was expecting to get the younger son, but she never did. And so the name couldn't carry on. Well, through loads of different circumstances, she ends up sleeping with her father-in-law and having a child. Their prayer is that she would be like her, not sleeping with her father-in-law, no, but having a child in the most unexpected of ways. And so they pray, may you be like Rachel and Leah. They pray, may you be like the house of Perez. And the prayer is answered. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. 
and he went into her. And the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Do you see that? It was the Lord. For ten years she wasn't able to have a child with Mr. Sick. But the Lord brings about a child. Nothing can ruin God's redemption plan for Ruth. But also you should know that nothing can ruin God's redemption plan for Naomi. Listen to verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And the women. I told you to remember the women of chapter 1. Now you may not remember them. But way back in chapter 1, when Naomi was coming back into the land, the women of the land said, Is that Naomi? Is that really Naomi? And she said, Do not call me Naomi. Do not call me Miss Pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitter, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. And now the women, they come back on the scene, not accusing, but praising. And the women say, Blessed be the Lord, for he has not left you without a Redeemer. This is the Lord's redemption. The women see it. And now everybody is beginning to see it. Maybe even Naomi. Maybe even Miss Bitter can now be called Miss Pleasant. And the women point out to her, you have this daughter-in-law who is like to you as how many sons? Seven sons. This daughter-in-law who is like to you as of seven sons. The perfect family. You came back thinking you were empty. No, you were full because you had Ruth beside you, a full family. And so we hear the name of this little grandson for Granny Naomi. Verse 16. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. How amazing it is, the Lord's redemption in Naomi's life. Isn't it amazing that they say, 
a son has been born to Naomi. Isn't it Ruth's son? Yes. But God is at work in Naomi's life. If I had one suggestion for a change in this book, I would suggest probably this. Maybe it is not the book of Ruth. Maybe it is the book of Naomi. Do you remember? She came back saying, I went away full and now my hands are empty. But her hands were full with Ruth. And then at the end of chapter 2, she thought her hands were empty. But by the end of chapter 2, her hands were full with an ephah of barley. Two weeks worth of food. And then by the end of chapter 3, her hands were full of six measures of barley. A week's worth of food. And by the end of chapter 4, her hands are full. In that little town of Bethlehem, there her hands are full with this small little baby grandson. God has filled her to the brim with his goodness. And that doesn't mean she will not feel the pain of her past sorrow. But she can know God has filled her full. Some of us this morning, I would imagine, after all these months of isolation and different things, some of us may feel very dry spiritually. Empty, in fact. Here I am empty. Nothing. And I need to be filled. Well, you need to remember, believer, is that your hands are full. In John 1.16 it says this, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. We stand as people who have grace upon grace, the fullness of God in our hands. Oh, we may be neglecting him right now, but he has not neglected us. We may have stopped speaking to him right now, but he has not stopped speaking to us. We may have stopped singing to him right now, but my friends, he has not stopped singing over us. He has provided us fullness in Christ. Let us embrace the fullness of his redemption. Nothing can stop his redemption plan for Ruth. Nothing can stop his redemption plan for Naomi. And nothing can stop his redemption plan for you and for me. Can I tell you why? Verse 18. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, and Hezron fathered Ram, and Ram fathered Aminadab, and Aminadab fathered Nation, and Nation fathered Salmon, and Salmon fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered 
David, the end. You see, as Naomi sat there with her hands full of this baby, she thought the story was all over. No, my friends. The story was only beginning. She could have never have known it. But the story was only beginning. You see, the reason why everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Why? It tells us in Judges. The very last verse. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And then in chapter 1 of Ruth, along comes Mr. God is king in the line of Judah. Surely he would bring about God's rule and reign. And yet, no, he doesn't. But then this book, where names are so important, ends with this name, David. One of the greatest kings that Israel had ever seen. And it was through this line that God was going to bring about his redemption plan for us. Naomi would have never have known that as she stood there in the little town of Bethlehem, holding that little baby, that generations down the line, through Obed and Jesse and David and generations and generations and generations, there would be a young woman in the little town of Bethlehem holding another baby in her hands who would bring about the salvation of the world. Nothing, nothing can stop God's redemption plan for you and me. Amen. We will finish our time by singing together Cornerstone. And I would encourage you to sing at this time. We will not be having um, a time of reflections because things are not live. But I would ask you to respond maybe with verses and different comments you would like to say in response to God's word and in response to the song we are going to sing right now. So let us turn to this song, Cornerstone, and let me pray as I close. Lord, we thank you. That nothing can stop your plan of redemption. It didn't stop your plan of redemption for Ruth. It didn't stop your plan of redemption for Naomi. And it doesn't stop your plan of redemption for us. And so we praise your name for this beautiful book that pictures to us your redemption plan for us. Amen.
Help is built.